Before we begin this week's show, we want to take a moment to stop and direct you towards something else, NPR One. NPR One is a great way to find tons of new shows and get news from your local station. Great hand-curated podcasts and stories are always ready when you are on NPR One. Find it on your app store, NPR O-N-E. In this month's National Geographic, there's a photo essay of pandas in China. And the photographs are really amazing. You're so close to the animals. Amy Vitale was the photographer, and she found an unusual way to get the best shots. So, Amy, can you tell us how you did it? So, there is the director of the panda program. His name is Director Zhang Hemin. He's also affectionately known as Papa Panda. And so the thing is, he said, you know, it's not enough to have them in captivity. We should start making sure we have habitat and putting them back into the wild. And what he wanted was these pandas never to be comfortable with the human nannies who were taking care of them. And it turns out that after one generation in captivity, pandas don't know how to survive in the wild. So they have to actually be trained. And Mm -hmm. there's just this elaborate thing that happens that pandas have to go through this training and if they pass each test then they get to go into a bigger enclosure each time and so for example they'll have to find the best bamboo and then they have a stuffed leopard which they have the roar of a leopard and and if the panda goes up and sniffs it, it fails. It goes back <laughs> into captivity. But if it runs up a tree, it means that panda is going to, you know, be savvy enough to run away from predators. Yeah. And the same thing with people. They, he just didn't want them to see a lot of human beings. And I don't know if they, the costumes actually worked, but we wore these panda costumes the entire time. And actually, the panda costumes are scented with panda urine and feces because pandas go by scent more than sight. So the idea was they shouldn't um, see or smell human beings. So, so the people that are working there, they're doing this amazing work, and they're doing it dressed up as pandas. Yes. Everybody's walking around. And I might add, those panda costumes, they're not cute. They're not cute panda costumes. They're like scary scary bank robber costumes. So it, it was quite hilarious. We're all walking around in panda costumes. So you doing your work, you, you're suiting up as well. Oh, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, can, we, can you describe them? Maybe are they, so they're not like um, a panda mascot, say. No, you know, they're not the big ones with the big bubble head because it would be very hard <laughs> to work in those costumes. Yeah. You know, they, they stick the the face is kind of tight-fitting on your head and with these black circles sewn around your eyes and, like, sometimes the tail would start to fall off. And can I ask one more question about the smell? Mm-hmm. So you're yep. scented with uh, panda urine and feces. Is that sure to, to cover up your human scent inside the costume or do pandas just smell bad? Well, actually, pandas don't sm- Pandas actually smell a little bit like wet puppies. And I have to say, yes, the costumes are scented, but it wasn't as terrible as you would imagine because 99% of their diet is bamboo. And so it's more of like a bamboo-y, wet puppy smell. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, they're all scented to cover up the human smell. 
So when you're Amy, when you're dressed up then as a panda and you're trying to uh, get get some shots, mm-hmm. are you do you at all make any panda noises to attract <laughs> them? <laughs> well, something definitely funny happens when you start. You know, for three years, I was spending a bit of time every year with them, and you can't help but try to talk back to them. And they have a whole variety of sounds. It's not one kind of sound. They, they like, bleep like goats. They can make that. I mean, they're just really interesting sounds that they make for different reasons. I mean, I, we'd love to hear your, your best panda sound. <laughs> Or, I don't know, you know, it's different sounds for the, the moms and the babies at different times. So when they're just, so the other fascinating thing about pandas is they only have 24 to 72 hours a year to get pregnant. That's it. Wow. And so it's in that time, like the, that's in April usually. So I was there in April and, and that's when they make these sort of, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like, me. It's more, you'll have to go... It's like a uh, giggle, almost. It's, yes, that that would be how I would describe it, sure. So when you're dressed up as a panda, do the the pandas ever come out to you? Are they fooled enough to let you interact (laughs) with them and be part of their their group? I don't think they're really fooled. I don't. (laughs) But um, I do think this. I did have this extraordinary experience on my last day. I was really sad to leave. I'd spent a lot of time with um, one panda and her newborn cub. And on the last day, I'm, I was just sitting there thinking to myself, this is it. I'm leaving in 10 minutes. And the whole time I was with her, she never emerged. She was always sleeping with her cub. And she, 10 minutes before I left, got up, picked up the panda in her mouth, walked kind of in front of me, maybe 20 feet in front of me, lifted the panda in the air like a mother, like a human mother mother would, looked at it and kind of displayed it, and then picked it up in her mouth and went back to sleep, went back to the same spot, and that was it. Wow. That's great. So she was showing you her baby. She showed me her baby and left. (laughs) That's great. I just looked at the picture of the, the panda suit. And it looks like like a like the like creepy robbers would wear that. Exactly, it's slightly creepy. But yeah. I have to say, getting dressed up in a creepy panda costume every morning—it was um, a good, <laughs> good um, way to yeah live. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Amy. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey, now's the part of our show where we like to take a moment and thank our sponsors. This week, it's Stamps.com. Stamps.com helps businesses avoid time-consuming trips to the post office. With Stamps.com, you can use your own computer and printer to print official U.S. postage for any letter or package, and then the mail carrier will pick it up. Just like the regular mail, but no more wasting time going to the post office or wasting money on expensive postage meters. You fools! Sign up today for a four-week trial and special offer, including postage and a digital scale. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone, and enter everything. Hey, Clint, what can we help you with? 
So um, I was watching television. It was one of those weekends in Las Vegas where you don't leave your house because of the heat. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, sat on the couch and watched TV all weekend. And uh, I happened upon two movies, both uh, Judd Apatow movies. And in the, uh, in the movies, there was two actresses that were taking baths. And they both had strategically placed bubbles over their, what my kids would call their swimsuit parts on their body. <laughs> and I was wondering how that works, if it's some fake bubbles, something synthetic that's made, or if there's actually a, a person who stands behind the, the camera and in between takes adds more bubbles to those areas. I wondered the same thing. I mean, it's, I feel like it's got to be fake. It's got to be fake bubbles. Well, yeah. If you've I'm, ever taken a bubble bath, you know you've get you got maybe, what, five minutes of good bubble time before the bubbles go away. And, you know, in a movie, they're constantly reshooting that stuff. Now, my kids do have, a, like, a bubble gun mm. that is pretty good at making bubbles. I don't know if, if that's something that they use. Mm-hmm. I do think that it, it's interesting to think about all the jobs that uh, we as adults realize exist that as a kid, you know, you talk about being a, a doctor or a fireman or an astronaut, but the idea that there might be a um, cinematic bubble applier, mm-hmm. kids today should know that so that if they want to do that, they can aspire to do that. You know, you're really good with bubbles. I have just the job for you. Yeah. Do you take bubble baths? I don't. Okay. I, I'm 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 43. I don't you know. That's I'm a shower guy. I don't know, Clint. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't think there's an age limit on bubble baths. I sort of, I sort of feel like there is. You're probably right. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, we're gonna look into this for you. Okay. Okay. I th- I think we have somebody who can help you, Clint. Mike Ritchie works in movie special effects. So, Mike, how much thinking really goes into the placement of the bubbles? I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, believe it or not. Even though it's all fairly simple stuff, everything like that has to be fully planned out on a movie set because mm-hmm. if you waste you waste five minutes of their time setting up bubbles, that's tens of thousands of dollars wasted on bubbles yeah. for the whole crew sitting around. So it's always pretty planned out. We have a couple methods ready to go. We also use things like shaving cream. If you had an actor or an actress that you really wanted to cover up good, you can... An actress or something like that, she's normally going to have like some kind of stick-on, uh, like pasty type thing on her to cover her up, and then we could put shaving cream on because it's opaque and thick and sticks. And then on top of that, we add the bubbles, so it looks all uh-huh. bubbly and frothy. But even if the bubbles fall off underneath, she's got a pasty and shaving cream, you know, on top of that. So when uh, when a scene like uh, of somebody in a bubble bath is being shot and there's the kind of strategically placed bubbles, a- as you're doing multiple takes, is somebody sort of running out and reapplying bubbles? Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised how long it would last. But what we'd do in that instance is we'd probably be making five-gallon buckets of frothy bubbles. And uh, when they run out, we'd run in, dump more in the tub let the actress, you know, cover herself up with them. She's probably wearing a skin-colored bathing suit, depending on the actress, because you never know who's willing to do what. So mm-hmm. sometimes they're like, uh, you know, they want to be fully covered up, which is understandable. There's a lot of people around. And other times you get people that are like, I don't care, I'm getting naked, I'm getting in this bathtub, let's do some bubble action, you know, like. 
<laughs> you never know. <laughs> we yeah. deal with on a daily basis. Do you have to worry about, uh, you know, because bubbles pop, do you have to worry about bubble continuity that, you know, if you edit two takes together that, oh, that bubble wasn't there before? <laughs> yeah, you, you mean, you would have to. I mean, something like that would be a nightmare on set. We'd have to be watching it. You're not going to get the exact bubbles. If it was something super specific to a bubble, it's going to be CG most likely. Anyways, that specific bubble. Mike, do you have any stories from your work where you've had to go back the next day because of a continuity error? Um, we use this chemical that's a fire suppressant that they've refined for us now that's uh, eco-friendly. And we use it for snow. And we have these backpack guns that spray pretty much shaving cream. So we go out on the set and we can spray all the background stuff. But on Ghost of Girlfriend's Pass, Matthew McConaughey's thing, we had to go back and shoot a whole day's worth of work. Because the snow was melting? Because they, the camera panned off the set. So we're in a winter wonderland, and you turn 20 degrees, and it's 85 degrees. Out. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the snow is fake. These uh, sort of foam guns you're talking about, I, I'm kind of I'm picturing like a Ghostbusters kind of backpack. You're not, you're not far off. Yeah? Not far off at all. I actually just did the last Ghostbusters with Melissa McCarthy, and you know we, uh, we actually were making slime for them. Slime. Um, the green ecto. Yeah. Whoa. Ecto how'd, slime. How'd you do that? Uh, it was actually a mixture of a, a bunch of different things. It took, it, you'd be amazed at the testing that went into the Ghostbusters slime. The recipe is actually top secret. We're not allowed to tell anybody what's directly in it. But um, the basis of it is, is cherry pie filling is usually made from a chemical called methicil. That's um, a plastic. That's... Um, 100% neutral to the human body. It's in things like McDonald's shakes and stuff like that. Oh. Um, it's a thickening agent. You can eat it, but when you add it and mix it, it gets very soupy and like a cherry pie filling, and you can tint it whatever color you want. But the Ghostbusters slime, they were very specific. It needed to be stringy, and when it flew through the air, it needed to have certain properties to it. There was weeks of testing. In that process, would you like come up with something and then they'd how did a test, what happened at a test of the, the slime? Uh, depending on, so there's a bunch of gags involved with it. There's one scene where a ghost threw up a bunch of slime, um, and it's flying through the air. So we had fire hoses and pressure tanks that we had 250-gallon tanks that we were filling with slime and hitting with compressed air and then launching the slime through the air. Um, so testing pretty much is, who wants to put a trash bag on today? Stand <laughs> yeah. there, we're going to spray you down with slime and see how it hangs off you, see how it hits your face in slow motion, all that stuff. Show it to the producers, the directors, all them. There was a bunch of times where they came back and said, you know, we like this, change the color, make it greener, make it slimier, make it stringier, make it looser. And then once we got the mixture that we liked, we had different variations of it because it was green. But, like, when you pumped it, we did a scene where we pumped a 1,000 gallons to a basement floor. It's a lot of slime. Yeah. You can see that it's green. If you take that same slime, and I had to make it come out Melissa McCarthy's nose and ears and everything like that, and you run it through a small tube, same color. When it drips out, it looks almost clear. So we would have ultra green slime. We would have regular slime, you know, all different variations of it, different thicknesses for what we were doing once we got our mixture. Well, Mike, thank you so much for uh, helping out Clint. Thanks. Have a good one, guys. Well, that does it for this week's show. What'd you learn, Ian? I learned that basically pandas have one day a year, pretty much. 
Yeah. When they can um, try and get pregnant. That's a lot of pressure on both pandas. Sure is. And that's the kind of thing, like, if you know that's coming, you don't want to be fighting with your spouse at that point. I just think it's so hard to set up a romantic night if you're a panda. Yeah. I'm just going to take you out for this nice place, your favorite meal, but you only eat bamboo. I can't light candles because I, I don't have thumbs. So it's pretty much just going to be the two of us in the woods. I don't even know which of us is the male and which is the female because we look identical. It's ultimately a pretty terrible date. I really, you're a really bad partner if you don't know which is the female yeah. or the male. Do you think that 72 hours a year is just for a, a young panda couple that still, you know, still in the honeymoon phase, and then once you've been together a while, it's really once every six years. It's just a way that the pandas can get out of having sex ever. No, no, we only do it seven. Just there's a, just 72 hours a year that we can do it in. Seriously? Sorry. Ah, yeah, no, I, um, I kind of want to finish Stranger Things. Um, so, yeah, maybe in 2022. So every year there's something you got to watch? Come on. How to Do Everything is produced by Nadia Wilson with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is David Castillo. He has been in charge of, of demolition here at How to Do Everything, doing a great job. Nothing, nothing remains standing. He took my minivan and made it into a metal cube. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. You can visit our website at howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Well, this show is finally over, but if you're still interested in hearing more things, we want to point you towards Ask Me Another. Ask Me Another is the podcast for games, trivia, and puzzles. It's like trivia night, but more fun. Play along now at npr.org slash podcasts and on the NPR One app.